That what makes a good life is not a number of years, but it's every day lived for God. That a good life is built one day at a time. And that's a good lesson, isn't it? Because oftentimes we, I don't know about you guys, but you see something like life and you think to yourself, how am I ever going to do this right? And you're almost overwhelmed by the totality of it. But when you think about that, God just asks you to be faithful today. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? It's easy to get caught up in the earthly goals, working hard for a house or vacation. But what if your daily focus was faith? As Pastor Daniel comes to this part of Genesis, Abraham is at the end of his life. And looking back, his faithfulness is evident. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Genesis, chapter 24, verse 67, with his continuing study entitled, The Shift. We need to soak, to spend our hearts dwelling in God's Word. I love this. Isaac is out there in the field, meditating waiting on the Lord, bowing his heart and his mind before God. Now, it's beautiful here because this end of this chapter is gorgeous in its simplicity. Rebecca sees this man in the field walking towards her and she dismounts herself off the camel. She asks the servant, "Who's who's this coming? He said, it's my master. And it's so simple. She took a veil and covered herself. Just the modesty of that culture. That was the style. Women were just modest in that culture. And so she veiled herself as a sign of humility and modesty. And I love this. They just meet. And in verse 67, the simplest discussion of marriage. Look at this. Isaac brought, Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. Husbands and wives, listen. Single people who want to get married, verse 67 is perfect. It's perfect. Look. Brought her into his house, his mother's tent. He took her and she became his wife and he loved her. You know, we can have a million marriage seminars But none of it actually says it as good as that. Man, just love each other. Say, God, how do you want me to love this person? It's so simple. It's so elegant. It's so almost you could just be like, oh, yeah, let's just keep going. Yeah, he took it. No, he loved her. He loved her. And not only that, it says that he was comforted after his mother's death. See, marriage is about two people, the two becoming one flesh, being together with mutual love and comfort. Can you imagine how our marriages would be revolutionized if we just said, hey, we're just going to love each other and comfort each other? See, that's the way Satan goes at marriages. He makes you think you're on different teams. 
He makes you think that you want different things. When really all God wants is for two people to come together in love and comfort. And it's so simple and it's so easy to miss the elegance of the simplicity of what this means here. He just, they came together. He loved her. And he was comforted. Now, as we move into chapter 25, look at what happens. It says in verse 1, Abraham again took a wife and her name was Keturah. And she bore him Zimran, Joksan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Akshan begot Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Dedan were Asherim, Leshim, and Leumim. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Epher, Hanach, Abadiah, and Elda. All these were the children of Keturah. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. But Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines which Abraham had. And while he was still living, he sent them eastward, away from Isaac his son, to the country of the east. Now, we find out here that after Sarah died, Abraham again took another wife. Her name is Keturah, which in that language meant incense. If the chronology is correct that Abraham again took a wife, which means after the death of Sarah, that they would have mean, they probably would have been married for about 37 years because Abraham was 138 when Sarah died. And we're going to see in a second that he died at 175. So probably a span of about 37 years. And he's got a number of children. Now, I mean, you got to love the strength and energy of Abraham. I mean, I didn't write this stuff, but I mean, I'm, I mean, like, you're just like, good on you, Abraham. You know, and, and I just get excited about life. I mean, how can you go wrong with this? There's no slowing down for Abraham. And I, you know, I, listen, I pray for, for those of us who've been, who, who are more seasoned, who've seen more times around the sun, that you all say, God, give me the strength of Abraham. Give me the strength of Caleb. You know, that's why I love Pastor Bill and the Next Step Ministry. It's so cool. I mean, there's, there's some folks in our fellowship who have retired and their retirement is more, is more strategic and impacting than their non-retirement. Because they're saying, look, I got things that God has for me to do. And Abraham, he's just going for it. You know, and again, this is the fulfillment of Genesis 12 too. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing. In, G- in Genesis 17, 4, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of many nations. And here we see between Ishmael and all the sons of Ishmael, which we've already seen. Now we have Isaac and we're going to be seeing his family. And now we have all of the descendants he has from Keturah. It's all being fulfilled. Now, figuring out who all these people are and where they end up is very challenging because certain names like Joktan and Dedan and Sheba, we've already seen these names in Genesis chapter 10. So in the, in the table of nations in Genesis chapter 10, you get some of these names and now you get Abraham's descendants with these same names. And then it makes it really hard because you're like, well, which Sheba and Dedan, if you read your Bible, you'll see them pop up from here and there. Uh, Midian, of course, you think of the Midianites who 
Gideon defeated in Judges chapter 6. Moses' wife, as well as Jethro, they were both Midianites. We find in Numbers 22 and 31, the Midianites were the enemies of the Jewish people. But who these nations end up being, we really don't know. But what's interesting about it is that we get all these names, and then in verse 5 it says, And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. But Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had. And while he was still living, he sent them eastward away from Isaac, his son, to the country of the east. What does all this mean? This shows the primacy, the supremacy, God's purpose in Isaac being the called son, the chosen one of the lineage of Abraham. Although he had all these other kids, everything he had, he gave to Isaac. He did bless these other nations, these other children of his, but he sent them away so that Isaac could do what God had called him to do. It's interesting that they explain all this. They give us all this information and they remind us, listen, all that he had went to Isaac except what he gave to the other sons. Now, in our 21st century American views on how family should run, we think this is pretty awful. And kids bring their brothers and sisters to court over inheritances that look like this. But it's different for Abraham. There was no court to say, I don't like my daddy's will or whatever. This is just the way it was. Now in verse 7, this is the sum of the years of Abraham's life which he lived. 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And his son Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, the field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heath. There Abraham was buried and Sarah his wife. And it came to pass, after the death of Abraham, that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac dwelt at Beer Lahai Roy. Now, you see here where it says, quite simply, that the sum of the years of Abraham's life. This is not a good translation of the Hebrew. It's actually, they got the concept right, but in the Hebrew, it literally says, these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived. Now, you see why they translate it as, you know, this is the sum of his, the years of his life, right? Could you imagine if you read, this is the days of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived? But the rabbis love the original Hebrew because what it means is that a good life is lived a day at a time. They make a strong point that what makes a good life is not a number of years, but it's every day lived for God. That a good life is built one day at a time. And that's a good lesson, isn't it? Because oftentimes we, I don't know about you guys, but you see something like life and you think to yourself, how am I ever going to do this right? And you're almost overwhelmed by the totality of it. But when you think about that, God just asks you to be faithful today. A good life is a life that is lived faithfully day in and day out. And if you are faithful to God as best you understand it every single day, by the time you get to the days when your time is done, you'll be able to look back and say, it's been a good life. Because 
as we seek to be faithful day in and day out. Now listen, I know there's some people sitting here today, there's people who are watching online, maybe checking out later, you're thinking, look, I haven't been faithful very much at all. And the beauty is, is that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you can receive His grace for all of your unfaithfulness. Now, stop complaining about yesterday. And let's start taking responsibility for today. See, the gospel is that God forgives us our faults. And God doesn't hold us to our faults in the past, but He redeems us into a more glorious future. I can't go and undo all the lousy things I've done in my life, but I do have control over today. And a good life is lived a day at a time. I love this. Abraham died a good old age, an old man and full of years. I think to myself, hey, if I'm going to go out, I want to go out like Abraham. You know, his life was full. He had God in his life. Could you imagine when Abraham was like 173, 174, looking back over his life? Lord, you gave me and Sarah a child when I was 100. She was 90. Lord, my son Isaac has grown up to be a godly man. Lord, you made me rich. You had me leave my family. I didn't even know where I was going. I pray that for each one of us, as we follow God, that you can look back over the days since you began following Him and you can see His fingerprints on your life. You can see the things that He's been doing. And that's a full life. There's nothing worse. Jesus said it this way, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Could you imagine gaining the whole world and getting to the end of your days and saying, that's it? That, that's what it was all about? That would be horrible. That would be horrible. We find out as we keep going that Abraham was buried in the cave of Machpelah. So that's the same place where Sarah was buried. The only land that Abraham had required during his life. This cave, a burial place. His only land in the promised land. Verse 12. Now this is the genealogy of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's maidservant, bore to Abraham. And these were the names of the sons of Ishmael by their names according to their generations. The firstborn of Ishmael, Nebahoth, then Kedar, then Adbiel, then Mibsam, then Mishma. If you need some cool names, I mean, you guys got this here. I mean, Daniel, I like my name, but man, it's kind of played out, man. I want some mishmas around here. <laughs> Duma, Massa, Hadar, Tima, Jeter, Nafish, and Kedema. That's a good one, right? Hey, Lynn, what do you think? Kedema Fusco? Maybe? <laughs> She's just like, Daniel, no, don't do it to me. Don't do it. Let's keep going. Verse 16. There were sons of Ishmael, and these were their names by their towns and their settlements. Twelve princes according to their nations. These were the years of the life of Ishmael, 137 years. And he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. They dwelt in Havilah, as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt as you go toward Assyria. He died in the presence of all his brethren. Now you see this. We just went through the the genealogy, the generations of Ishmael. 
We find that as promised, Ishmael was blessed. There's 12 princes here. We find out that they dwelt east of Egypt. So we all know where Egypt is in northeastern Africa. So they dwelt to the east there. In verse 19, it says this. This is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife, the daughter of Bethuel the Syrian, of Padanaram, the sister of Laban the Syrian. Now, you notice here in verse 19 that Isaac is linked to Abraham twice. Again, pointing once again to God's choosing of Isaac to be the son of promise. And I think it's interesting that we keep coming back to this. We keep seeing this. And I think it's important that that's the case because I think that God knew that at some point a prophet named Muhammad was going to come and say that God's chosen lineage wasn't Isaac, it was Ishmael. I think it's fascinating that the Bible goes to great pains from Genesis to Revelation to point us from Abraham to Isaac. Not that Ishmael wasn't blessed, but the chosen, the royal, God's sovereign choices comes from Abraham to Isaac. And in these verses here, the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son, Abraham begot Isaac. And I always say that when the, when the Holy Spirit is redundant, it's because he knows that we're thick-headed and sometimes we need to hear it twice. Do you guys ever feel like that? Like, I just need to hear things over and over again until I get it. It's all about Abraham and then Isaac. Now, look at verse 21. Now, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now, verse 21, like Sarah in Genesis 11, they're having fertility problems. And I think it's fascinating that oftentimes God blesses people after a long time of seeming struggle. See, you would think that if God was in it, right? If, if God's blessing was upon it, it would just happen, right? Like, it's like, man, God's on it. This is going to work itself out. But we see constantly that God works through circumstances that are bewildering. We've talked about this. That children in that culture, a whole lineage was founded upon it. And so when Abraham is not having a son or any children, that's a bad thing for his family. Now, of course, we have Isaac, and Isaac is married to Rebekah, and they're God's promise one, and now they're having a problem getting pregnant. And I just want to say this, because I am quite sure there's people in here today, people listening, wherever they're listening, that you are in this kind of a situation where you're just like, this is not going well. And it's important to remember that if you are struggling or if you are in a predicament, then you are a prime candidate for a miracle. Because if everything is going well, everything's going well, you, you have no need of a miracle. But if you are in one of those situations where it's just, I don't know how this is going to work out, it's not going to work out, how is this ever going to happen here? Then you're a prime candidate for God to do something pretty awesome. So it's all a matter of perspective, really. When you look at your circumstances and they look dire and you stare at your circumstances, it's dire. 
But when you take your eyes off of your circumstances and with the eyes of faith, you let your heart behold who God is for us in Jesus, then all of a sudden, it's full of hope. God, you can do anything. God, how do you want to use this circumstance? What are you trying to teach me through this situation, God? Why is this happening? Because I know that all things work together for good. Romans 8.28, it never falls out of your Bible between 8.27 and 8.29 when situations are bad. Lord, I know you're going to use this for good. I just don't understand what you're doing. So Lord, while this is happening, bear the fruit that you want to bear in my life. Look at the fruit that God bore in their lives through this predicament. Because look at what it says here. It says quite simply this. It says in verse 21, Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. Now, I don't know about you guys, but Rebecca's barrenness was an opportunity for Isaac to plead for his wife. Ha <laughs> ha. Do you ever realize that sometimes the only reason, and I don't think it's really the only reason, that God allows us to go through trial is so that we'll call upon His name? Because you know what it's like when everything's going well, you don't really need to call on His name. You're like, Lord, this is pretty cool. Thank you very much. And we enjoy the blessings. But when things get bad, then we're calling out the prayer warriors, right? We're calling up everybody. Hey, can you pray with me? Hey, you're at every prayer meeting. Lord, you got to do something in my life. And that's not a bad thing. But we need to keep that same heart posture when everything's going good. Because the, the blessing of seeking God is what? It's finding Him. The blessing of seeking him is finding him. So in the midst of this bad situation, Isaac begins to plead. And again, we, I mean, what a great, what a great application. Husbands, when was the last time you pleaded for your wives? When was the last time you pleaded with God's blessing? You single guys, when was the last time you began to bombard the throne of grace in intercession for your future wife? I call that getting prayers stored up in the bank. That's some wisdom for single guys. Man, you're just like, Lord, whoever that girl is, let her be, man, let her fall in love with you because she's going to need you so much when she meets me. <laughs> Did I remember when I was single, I'd, I'd go and I'd, you know, I'd hear about, oh, you know, this book is great. Like, you know, and these women would be talking, I'd go buy these books, you know. I, I had like a little, a little thing for my wife. I remember when I met Lynn, I looked at all the stuff that I'd collected for, and it was all about, like, why should I be the first to change? All this, you know, it's funny. You think about it. I'm like, man, you know, I'm just like, I want to bless this woman because I just want her to be really godly so I can be really sinful. But that's a whole other discussion. (laughs) It's like, why should she be the first to change about loving your husband and all this stuff? It's funny. I wasn't collecting books on being a good husband, but God was dealing with me. But if you think about it, I mean, when was the last time you really just got on your knees for your spouse? When was the last time you single folks got on your knees and said, God, you know who my future spouse is going to be. Will you bless their socks off? Will you fill them with with your Holy Spirit? Lord, keep them from temptation. Lord, make them be a man or a woman of the Word. God, stir your spirit in their lives. Jesus is... As we heard how Abraham's life came to an end, we were reminded of all the promises fulfilled. A faithful man, his son Isaac, was chosen to continue God's plan. 
Pastor Daniel reminded us that in our struggles, we're prime candidates for a miracle. When everything's going well, we don't need one, so have faith. We're so happy that you're a part of the Jesus is Real Radio family. Jesus is Real Radio is a listener-supported program. We want to let the whole world know that Jesus is real. Your donations help make this possible. You can become a monthly supporter or give a one-time gift by text message. It's easy. Simply text your gift to 855-910-8300. That's 855-910-8300. God does amazing things when we simply listen to His Word. He transforms and shapes us into His image as we are exposed to the Bible. Maybe after listening today, someone specific is on your heart. You know that this message is something they need to hear. Please log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. You can share this message to your Facebook timeline, tweet a link, or even embed the audio wherever you'd like. So log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and share this message with your family, friends, and neighbors. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will take us through the next step in God's plan for Isaac and Rebecca. Children, when her prayers are answered for a child, she'll find that she's been given too. Pastor Daniel will liken it to the struggle in all of us. We'll find out how to discern which part of us has the upper hand. That's all coming up next time on Jesus is Real Radio. Don't you